Hey everyone, and welcome to Battle of the Atom. This is the podcast where we rank all the X-Men stories from A to Z. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Uh, we got a, a real interesting show for all you guys today, because Adam, do you know uh, who is joining us on this episode? Oh, guys, we have an amazing special guest. You may have pestered him online about spoilers, and you rely on him every X-Men Monday. Uh, Zach, tell him who's with us today. It is Jordan D. White. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm okay. Good. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. So we're going to jump into it. Jordan, you are the, uh, what is your actual official title? Just editor. Um, I mean, uh, I, I guess, I guess, uh, some, some books call me the X-Men group editor, um, which means that I, uh, I have other editors, uh, that I oversee working on some of the X-Men books, but, uh, I'm just a, just a plain old editor. <laughs> See, I've just been telling everyone who will listen that, you know, you are the guy in charge of all things X-Men and they say, Zach, I don't care. We're at work. Why are you talking to me about X-Men? <laughs> but I mean, technically I'm in charge of more than that. Cause I also do the, the cosmic books right now, like, uh, right. Infinity Wars mm-hmm. and Infinity Countdown, stuff like that. And Jordan, before this, you were in charge of Deadpool and the Star Wars yep, line, Yeah, Deadpool right? and Star Wars as well. Uh, I, wow. I, uh, I'm sad to have, have left them behind, but I think X-Men is a, a worthy thing to, to take over instead. <laughs> we like to think so. So <laughs> yeah. speaking of X-Men, I mean, what's your, what's your background with the X-Men before it became a career thing? Uh, what role did X-Men play in you know, your life? Never really heard of them. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so I've been reading comics since I was a tiny child. I'm and I'm I'm old at this point. I'm not that old. I'm I'm well, depends on who I'm talking to. I always feel super old when I talk to my assistants uh, because they're stupid younger than me. But um, I'm what am I? 38 now. So I've been reading comics probably since I was. Oh, geez. Probably five or younger. Uh, I, I honestly don't remember a time when I didn't read comics or have comics read to me at the very least. Um, Spider-Man was always my first love comic book wise and kind of continues to be, but uh, I was always a big fan of Marvel and I would basically read any comic you put in front of me. If I went to a store and there were comic books, I would ask to buy one no matter what. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't that long before I I, uh, I got into X-Men stuff as well. My, my biggest X-Men love was Excalibur. Um, I mm-hmm. started reading Excalibur on a regular basis right around the time. I, I don't remember the issue number. I guess it was 30 something right around the time they had a, they had a big guest appearance by the West coast Avengers and they went to limbo. <laughs> what a random choice. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, well, it just was, that was when I got them. Yeah, yeah. That being said, I, I also just started b- back then again modern day listeners will be like what do you mean you have to look for back issues but i was searching for back issues for the years that followed because i loved excalibur so much um i would get my hands on whatever i could and be like okay i I have issues you know four five nine thirteen fourteen you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you'd have to like piece the story together as you got 
the different bits of it, uh, which was super fun. Uh, eventually, I did collect the the full run of Excalibur, and that was my like I said, that was my main X Men love. Um, that being said, I, I you know I obviously I bought X Men number one like every person on Earth did. <laughs> You and seven million other people, right? I don't think seven million people actually. No, that's bought that yeah, I know. I think one million people bought seven copies each, maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I only have three copies of that. I've got the I've got the fold out one, and I think that's the only one I've got. Uh, that's the best one. Yeah, of I mean, course. That's, that's the important one. Yeah. Yep. Why would you want any other one, really? So I, you could put four of them together and make a fold out version yourself. And not have the poster in the on the inside. Yeah, yeah. that's a good poster. That's Which a good was a, poster. Yeah, that's a great poster. X-Men. Hey, this is editor version of Zach uh, cutting in here real quick. I'm just going to say in the next 10-ish minutes, uh, there were some connection issues with Jordan's side. Uh, the audio is still there, but it drops in quality and some of it's a bit choppy. If you want to skip all that, go to around the 14-minute mark and you should be past it. Uh, sorry about that. X-Men. Um, and then I, I also had, I mean, and that's the thing. So I would just get whatever comics. I would get all sorts of comics. So that was the era when I was buying comics, a little bit before X-Men number one and uh, X-Men comics, especially a little bit before uh, X-Men number one and then after X-Men number one and, you know, X-Force and X-Factor and all the crazy things. Um, for a while, I fell out of comics when I went to college, uh, as a lot of people do. Uh, but I had an odd experience, the, kind of the opposite of what most people have, which was when I got married, my wife and I got each other more into comics because we were both kind of casual fans and we like passed on hmm. at, at the time anyway. And we passed on our love of specific things to each other. So she got me back into reading in a big way by introducing me to strangers in paradise. And, and then I made her read Savage Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and she had a good time. So it's okay. <laughs> um, it's a big, jarring <laughs> but uh <laughs> totally but but from there like that's when my comic reading went bananas um and i we i you know i i started with like the ones i had been collecting again the big my favorite one spider-man and savage dragon and and this one and that one and then eventually it got to a point where i was reading not literally every comic marvel put out but most of them like the large bulk of them um and i would say that was around the time of Grant Morrison. And okay. I was able to dive into X-Men in a big way then. Grant Morrison and who was writing the other book? Was it uh, Joe Casey? Joe Casey for the start and then Chuck Austin uh, afterwards. Yeah, I remember I remember starting, uh, picking up the trade of Poptopia, right? Poptopia. <laughs> uh, and uh, yep. collect from then on. And I've, uh, I've been an X-Men reader pretty solidly since then, um, obviously. Uh, then I, I did work in the X-Men office before. I was working under Mr. Nick Lowe as his assistant editor. That was um, maybe six or seven years ago. I started a little bit before Schism, and I stuck around until right around the time of Amazing X-Men starting is when I, I shift off of the X-Books for the most part. And now I'm back, but 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 in charge. It's totally different. All new, all different. <laughs> and everybody messed everything up since I left, too, so I'll fix it all now. I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> no, that's that's interesting. Now, in the meantime, uh, you, like Adam said, you were over in the Deadpool and Star Wars world, as mm -hmm. well as uh, with the cosmic books that you're doing now. And one of the interesting things that 
I always noticed about Deadpool and Star Wars in particular is they used miniseries a ton. There was always at least one, if not multiple, in each of those families going on. For you, what was the advantage of being a miniseries format on that? And do you think that makes sense for the X line? Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, with, with the Deadpool books, what happened was it kind of became this weird conventional wisdom for a while that not including like, you know, big summer blockbuster event kind of things, miniseries didn't sell. You know, it was just this thing of, oh, miniseries are a bad idea. They don't sell that well. Um, and I think I don't really know exactly why it happened. I think it was just a, I think it probably came from too many miniseries being done, you know, and uh, people kind of feeling like they weren't special anymore. I mean, when miniseries started, they were special. It was a big deal that, oh, there's only going to be four issues in this story. Well, first of all, a story that carried over four issues at that time was like, what? Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but there's only going to be four and then it's over. Like, that's that's unusual because that's back when comics were just ongoings and they never relaunched. <laughs> um, but for a while, it was, it, was, it was conventional wisdom that they didn't sell. And then... I don't know what happened, but I was working on Deadpool mm -hmm. and uh, they asked me, hey, do a Deadpool miniseries. Uh, in fact, they <laughs> somebody suggested in, in uh, at Marvel, hey, you should do Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. And I was like, that sounds like a fun idea. Uh, what would that be? And so we got together with Colin and we figured out a really fun book for it. And it worked really well. That's still a, a huge selling book to this day. Like literally year after year, the trade does great. Um, and I think the advantage on that and on all of the Deadpool minis, or at least the bulk of them that I did, is that they were kind of, I want to say entirely out of continuity. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Um, but at the very least, they were kind of unburdened by continuity, if you know what I mean. They were, even the ones that were in continuity, like, for example, Bull versus Carnage, right? It, it wasn't so rooted in everything that's happening right now uh, that you couldn't just pick it up. If you were a Deadpool fan who's just like, I know what Deadpool is. I think he's interesting. Oh, I have Carnages. They're going to fight. That's cool. You could pick it up and it was very accessible. And I think that works to the advantage in those Deadpool ones a lot. Um, you know, Deadpool versus Gambit. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> it, was, it was super fun, yeah. right? And it, it, I think you could definitely say, oh, that, sure, that happens in continuity. When exactly? Well, I don't know. Like right around here or what? But it's not like, again, it didn't reflect, oh, they're going home to Utopia at the end of the day, or where's Deadpool's wife, or any of that stuff. It was just like, it, it happens, you can you can check it out. If you know Gambit, you know Deadpool, you're good. That, I think, was a big help. Star Wars, Star Wars is a little different, too, because in Star Wars, um, they, they tell stories very differently. Because in Star Wars world, well, so in, in let me step back a step, in Marvel stories, the large bulk of the stories that Marvel is telling take place, quote-unquote, now. Um, when now is is like shifting kind of constantly, obviously like real life. I mean, also in that, you know, the now of, of a book from 20 years ago still needs to be close to now. I'm getting, I'm getting out, I'm getting off topic. Uh, the point is we generally are telling stories about now going forward and all the stories take place, you know, in and around the same time and they all interconnect and et cetera, et cetera. With Star Wars, that's not the case. With Star Wars, there's a timeline and there is no now in the timeline. You're telling us jumping around all over the place. So that, as a result, they with Star Wars, they much prefer doing finite stories. Um, it's it, doing an ongoing story runs a, a, an ongoing series runs a risk because you go, well, wait, but like there's a timeline and we have to stick to it and we can't, you know, just go forever you, like we can with Marvel, hopefully. <laughs> so can so sorry, this is a super man. I feel like I'm babbling. I'm so sorry. Feel free to interrupt me. No, this is good. This is good. Would that work with X Men? Uh, 
uh, both of those examples. I think the answer is there's definitely room for them. I don't believe that they are uh, okay, a thing that should be avoided at all costs, like sometimes I felt in the past. I think they can be, especially knowing that there is, you know, there are pl- there are about fifty thousand characters in the X Men, and I'm, don't tell me I said this, but not all of them can support their own book. <laughs> You're kidding. But that. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why my maggot series hasn't been like ongoing? That doesn't for mean years? that they can't tell a great story. And you know, I think you know it's a good example. Well, uh, you know, Rogue and Gambit just had a miniseries. Now that's a weird example because they're also getting an ongoing series. But, yeah, I was about to say. But part of that is based on the fact that th- there was a miniseries and it did really well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're bringing Iceman back to do another another story. Uh, there be other ones. I mean, I I happen to know there are going to be other miniseries for sure. Um, so yes, I think it can work and I hope that the X fans will support it as well as the Deadpool fans. And I mean, again, the difference though is that I think, I mean, this is a weird thing to say because Deadpool's history is complicated, but it's not as complicated as the X-Men. That's true. Um, and partially, partially that's also because you can kind of ignore it. It's so complicated that you could kind of go Deadpool's history as fine. Don't worry about it. Um, with the X-Men, I guess the, the, so my point being with Deadpool is that you can know very little about Deadpool and go, oh, what this one's about Deadpool fighting zombies? Great. I know what Deadpool is and I know what zombies is. So, all right. Whereas if I go, oh, it's going to be about, if I, <laughs> we're going to do the series about the fact that uh, Shatterstar and Longstar are each other's fathers. <laughs> That's complicated. And not everybody's going to jump on board right away. Fingers crossed that they will find a way to, uh, to like uh, characters. Uh, we we need to uh, revisit that topic later in the show. I think. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? The uh, the shatter star. Um, we, we had the daddy Boros or something to bring up the <laughs> yes, listener questions. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but no, that's. I, I mean, I'd say you know, in the last, I guess, in since 2018 has started, the X line has supported a number of miniseries between Legion and Rogue and Gambit, uh, and the currently running a uh, New Mutants book. And I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as Absolutely. a, you know, as a reader, I've seen a lot of, I've had a lot of enjoyment on that because, you know, there's a finite thing, you know what you're getting into, but at the same time, I can see the concerns like new mutants as a, you know, shining example of that book has a lot of continuity going into it. I love it. I think it's great, but you got to deal with the end of the X factor stuff with Richter and with uh strong guy and Wolfsbane and all that. And it, I wouldn't hand that to someone as their first X book. Right. Right. That can be tricky. I mean, that is kind of the, the big, that's the big problem with X-Men. I, I mean, I don't want to say it that way because that makes it sound like X-Men is a bad thing. X-Men is wonderful, but that's the, the, the thing you're always fighting against. X-Men is the most complicated family mm-hmm. of books. Um, I mean, the Avengers isn't even close. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. There's a couple of characters in Avengers that have complications, but it's not even in the in the realm of X-Men. Every character in X-Men has had a relationship with every other character. Um, half of them are related, but most of those relations involve time travel. Like it's 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 so difficult to hand somebody a book cold and go, just you 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 got it, you'll get it. Um that that being said, people do it. Uh, you know, my my uh, my old boss at Nick Lowe used to talk about. I forget what issue it was, but the, the his first issue of X Men was uh, sometime in that same '90s era. It was, I think, like X Men number five or something like that. Um, 
where he said, yeah, I, I, I picked it up and I had no clue who anyone was or what was going on, but I thought it was so cool that I wanted mm-hmm. to know. And that's, that's awesome. And I hope that that works for everyone, <laughs> but it's definitely a challenge to try to go. Can you do an X book that is both uh, enjoyable to the people who do know that stuff, but also accessible to the people who don't. I think there um, we're talking a little bit about minis here, but there have been traditionally a set number of X team books, you know, that have kind of set up the the secret recipe for what the X world is. And depending on which generation of, of the books we're looking at, um, you know, we kind of started with how much can Claremont handle, right? And, and, that's how we got new mutants. That's how, you know, editorially you get X factor, but you also got Excalibur out of it. And then over the years, you get all these different sort of splintering ideas, formulating the line. Do you think that even in 2018, that there's sort of like a secret recipe for what uh, the balance of the line should be in terms of team books versus solo books versus minis? Um, or is it just kind of what's working with sales and what people are responding to? Well, I mean, obviously, sales is a huge factor. Uh, I mean, I uh, it's, it's one of the things I have to reckon with mm-hmm. every day, but I try to do the most enjoyable books for myself and, and the readers as well. Um, I mean, there's no secret uh, formula. There's no like thing we have written down where we're like, let's, let's check all these boxes for sure. But it is something I think about a lot. I mean, I think the bulk of the X-Men books are always going to be team books because, well, multiple reasons, but a lot of it has to do with in the end, what the X-Men always is about is stuff that is more applicable to groups of people that the kind of social family that we choose, things like that. And, you know, the, the, the group of mutants as a, as a, as a, um, I don't want to say race as a species. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, and, and the number of solo characters who, we know for sure can, can support a book ongoing is like Wolverine. And then <laughs> that's about it for Mr. sure. Like <laughs> then, we, right. <laughs> then, well, yeah. Then we cross our fingers and we hope that we can get other ones to work. And sometimes they do. And sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, if there's a strong enough story and a great team of creators, we can make something that really sings with, with the fans. But I think, I think that, solo books in the X-Men line are kind of like icing on the cakes sort of a situation. The, we will really always be looking at the line as a, a line of teams, um, which is, as you said, it was originally a team, but I mean, honestly, how many, how many mutants are there living in the mansion right now? Oh, that's a staggering question. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> uh, I don't have the figure. I'll tell you that, but it's a huge. There's no number. spreadsheet it's at a, Marvel that, that uh, would answer that question. <laughs> you know, I was actually working on a spreadsheet, so there was a spreadsheet at one point. Um, I, I and I know that is a, 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 when I was in the X office the first time. Uh, Nick Lowe did uh, curate a spreadsheet that had a list of all the mutants, all the depowered mutants, oh my God. as well. Uh, and and kind of trying to keep track of where they were wow. all in the universe and what they were doing. Um, I don't, I, and I think the thing is that that kind of thing, while it's super awesome, doesn't always uh, get handed off from editor to editor mm-hmm. as as well as uh, as you'd hope. So I don't think that that list uh, 
consistently stayed being in use since uh, since Nick left the Xbox, unfortunately. Um, so I was not handed it when I got here. I, I have been thinking about trying to start one up, but geez, it's a lot oh, of work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tasked an intern with trying to make a list of every mutant that existed um, and uh, their semester in. So. <laughs> I mean, isn't well, that what the Mahu Wiki is for? Just, you know, crowd crowdsource all that stuff and go with it? Oh, no. Totally. And we, and that's, that's a good place to start for sure. But then you have to go like, yeah, but which first of all, I'm sure, first of all, I'm sure there's a ton of like alternate universe characters on there and dead characters. And uh, oh, it's, it's so endless. It's quite mm-hmm. endless. Um, but, 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 but I, I think to me as a reader uh, and as a, you know, hopefully as an editor, um, I, Oh, you know what? I should actually preface this and say something uh, that, I wonder, probably not a ton of your listeners know, but it's a good thing to know. Um, the books that I'm working on, all the X-Men books that you've read with my name on them, uh, I have, of course, worked really hard on them. But for the most part, at this point, none of them are things that I initiate. Mm. If you understand yeah. what I mean. Yeah. They're all things that were in progress on, in some form or other when I got into the X-Men world, even though how many months have I been here on there? Like a, a, quite a few at this point, maybe even like six months mm-hmm. at this point. Um, close to it at least. Uh, but all of these things, you know, the return of Wolverine stuff, the, the hunt for Wolverine books, especially like the, everything that you guys have read that has come out since I've been on X-Men was in some capacity being worked on before I, uh, I got on there. In fact, I'm trying to think if even everything that's been announced it already was in motion before I got there. I think that's true, which is not to say I didn't affect any of it and not to say I didn't influence any of it because when you actually work on the books, you do a ton of things. I'm just saying they weren't things that I set in motion to begin mm-hmm. with. The things that I set in motion will prop so that I've, I will have been involved from conception through final execution. I think we'll be starting around October. The things we in in the October catalog. So the next solicitations. <laughs> that is the next solicitations. Those the things that are in there will be things that did not. I, some of them anyway were will be things that were not even fathomed of before I was in there, um, which is really exciting and fun. So wait, why did I why, why did I bring that I up? Don't know. Wait, wait. What was the question I was answering? Uh, some, something about what the X Men line should look. Oh, like. Oh, yes. No, exactly, exactly. Right. So that's that. That explains a little bit of why I mentioned it. So my point being, uh, what the X Men line is right now isn't something that I set up, and you know, obviously that sort of thing takes time to to change uh, as you you know move forward uh, with things. But as a reader and as a editor, the, one of the one of the things I think is most important in the X-Men line is, and it, and it is something that I think the line has struggled with over the years at different points is making sure that if there are different books, they are distinct and they are distinct in more ways than just, they have different casts mm-hmm. um, because I don't think that's enough. I don't think it's enough to just say uh, there are, there are five books that are all just, x-men doing stuff like what's like what makes this x-men different from this x-men like what do these ones want versus what those ones want and you know again you can you can talk all you want about the quality of the books in the 90s but i think that's something that at least at the beginning of that period they did very well in that it was like here's what the x-men are about here's what x-force is about here's what x-factor is about you know Mm -hmm. 
here's what Excalibur is about. Like they're all very different kinds of books uh, and they all have a similar, you know, theme and flavor to them and you can enjoy all of them at once, but, but you don't end up going, what's the point of X-Force if you've got X-Men? Well, they're, it's very different. They want to, you know, shoot things. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I think that's an excellent point though, is the, the idea that the original tone of a lot of the original books were so vastly different. Um, I would argue that a lot of, the line right now does feel vastly different. You know, you've got uh, Guggenheim doing, I think, you know, a lot of people have accused him of sort of um, being retro and what it is that he's doing. Uh, Bun is really going a lot more obscure with his storytelling. And then we've had, you know, some, some other series like Gen X or some of the solo series that have gotten some writers and artists to flex their muscles in different directions. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to see where, where things go. Obviously I'm not, I don't want you to share any spoilers, but uh, I'm very interested to see where you see those tonal differences um, going between the books. There, there are some, man, there are some crazy, <laughs> crazy plans. coming up. I mean, there again, things will start getting announced in October, but I think even after that, and, and I, we actually have plans. We have, I mean, not, not like, the plans get more vague as you go, but we've got plans for next year that are, bananas so it's gonna be fun (laughs) that is exciting to hear uh so one of the things that has come up recently i know you mentioned it earlier uh and i know it's been a topic of a lot of debate in different fan circles is bringing back books that did well in you know trades uh Mm -hmm. like iceman for example that's coming back uh this fall uh with cena grace and uh, uh nate stockman i believe is doing the art on that one Yep. And, you know, that's that's a book that had a lot of people talking about it, but may not have you know burnt up the sales charts. So what would really drive you to bring a book like that back versus, you know, something else? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I wish there was a a, a really uh, it, I wish there was a better answer than it all comes down to money and sales. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Uh, when when that Iceman got announced, um the immediate uh, reaction that I saw on X-Men Twitter was not, oh my God, it's so awesome that Iceman came back. It was, why isn't Generation X coming back? X-Men Twitter really likes Generation X. But yes, we all, we all kind of adored that book. Totally. And that's great. And that's awesome. That being said, like, honestly, there's no like weird answer here other than that the amount of, sales that Iceman was getting in trades what ended up as a bigger you know when that is factored into all of the equations that marvel does to see what makes the most money like that that made the money to keep going Mm -hmm. and uh, sadly generation x did not um and again that's not a comment on the quality of the book there's a lot of great books that i have loved passionately that have not unfortunately been able to keep going Mm -hmm. um but that's the you know financial reality of the of the of the of the industry and of the, of the state of Marvel and things like that. Um, you know, there so there are there are there are a number of books uh, in the line right now that don't sell that great in comic shops, but do very well in bookstores mm-hmm. and you know things like that. You know, there's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Yay. there's Squirrel Girl, there's, um, <laughs> to some degree Ms. Marvel, which does better in comic stores than those other books, but also 
disproportionately sells mm-hmm. well in trade. Right. Um, so, you know, that's, and that's good because what that is, is that's a sign of books reaching new audiences. Um, you know, the people who want to read Iceman and, you know, don't necessarily want to read, you know, a, a regular old X-Men book or a regular, you know, sadly generation X book, uh, are picking it up in bookstores going, I just want to read Iceman for the, for a specific reason because I'm into the, I've heard good things about the story. I'm into the, the message of it. I'm into the, you know, et cetera. And that's, I mean, that's one of the best places that we can expand our audience. Mm-hmm. Now, would you, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this at all, but could you maybe <laughs> expand on like how, is that a mandate that would come down? Because I mean, just to be clear, I think Zach and I are both excited for Iceman to come back. Um, we interviewed Cena uh, at the wrap of the initial run, and we both felt like he was hitting a stride at the end of that mm. series. And that last issue was terrific. So yeah. if he can pick back up, I think it's going to be really, really good. So we want to be clear that, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to talk uh, anything ill about that that uh, series coming back. But when a trade is doing well, is this a, a conversation that you guys have behind the scenes where they're, you know, maybe from a business perspective, they're just saying, yeah, you got to bring this one back and you don't have an option to say no. Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a weird, that's, that presupposes that we would say no. Like, I mean, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Why would we do that? I like that, that answer. <laughs> no. Right. I mean, like, generally speaking, we, we want to, make more of all the comics we make okay (laughs) so so them you know it was more a case of you know unfortunately that book was canceled yeah Uh, so that was a sad thing i mean i wasn't working on that book when it got canceled i was i even i don't even know if i was there yet i can't remember but you know that book got canceled and everybody involved was like okay well unfortunately we can't keep going Mm -hmm. and then time goes by and they go hey guess what your trade did really well you could do more um and so yeah we were like Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Let's call Cena and get this happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I guess (laughs) there is a possibility that we could be putting out a book we don't enjoy doing and they'll say, do more of it because it's doing so well. But it's not not generally speaking. Yeah, no, typically we like the books we're doing. (laughs) I mean, uh, Zach mentioned this uh, a couple minutes ago, but I think we both agree that you've been doing an amazing job interacting on social media with what can absolutely be a difficult fan base. You know, you mentioned the reaction to the Iceman uh, relaunch and people probably just, you know, bitching and moaning a little bit about (laughs) Gen X not coming back. Um, How do you like, what's the key to peacefully and constructively conversing with a fan base that? has been famously difficult even since letter columns of, of your. Well, I, I always uh, do my best to, to try to interact with fans in a positive way because I love comics and I want to, I mean, I want to talk about comics and talk about what's exciting about them and why I love them uh, the most. I mean, which is not to say you can't poke fun at them. I love poking fun at the things I love. Um, much to my wife's chagrin. No, but I mean, <laughs> you know, like uh, there was a back in the old days, there was a um, in the old days, what a ridiculous <laughs> thing. Uh, many years ago, there was a thing called uh, the, before the Internet, basically, there was a thing called the Nitpicker's Guide to Star Trek. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. No. 
Okay. So it was literally, again, it was before, I mean, the internet existed, but it was before we were on websites all the time. Yeah. This dude did books that were literally <laughs> nitpicking every episode of Star Trek and oh, then Star no. Trek The Next Generation. That's terrible. So like you could watch an episode of Star Trek and then look in the book and it would say like, oh, they get in the, uh, they get in the turbo lift and they don't have to hold the, the the handle to control it when sometimes they do and and they, he didn't hit the button to for his communicator he just talks like is it listening at all the time because but because that was ridiculous back then that you could just call out to the computer yeah that's not no one would do that <laughs> he's gonna touch himself um, but, but it would and it would point out like logic things as well and silly things and 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 flubs and etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it was done in love like obviously the people who wrote this book and you know, me reading this book loved Star Trek: The Next Generation. We weren't going, yeah, well, this is garbage. What idiots they are making this! We we're going, no, that's really funny. That's really funny. And like, we like to point out if, again. If you ever watch that show, the, my favorite thing is the thing where they they won't tell anyone anything important over the thing. They always go, I think you better come see this. Yeah, it's like just, just tell me. Beam down to the planet so you can get killed. Down. <laughs> or no but even if it's like i'm in engineering and you're on the bridge they're like i think you're gonna want to come down here sir it's like no just tell me what it is like, we have video screens can you just bring up the video show me what it is <laughs> anyway um and i feel that, so of course you can have fun you can poke fun at it i do that all the time with with my comics with other people's comics in good fun um there's a lot of negativity i try not to engage in that or if i do i try to engage in it playfully mm -hmm. that in a way that shows that i'm it, hey guys this is fun like we don't have to mm -hmm. get upset about it. um because i i like comic book fans i you know again i am a comic book fan i have been hanging out with comic book fans my whole life uh my, i think my first interactions you know i i did forget another x thing i worked on my first interactions with the x-men fandom uh as a marvel employee was very early on, one of the first books I ever worked on at Marvel was Exiles, and then shortly thereafter, New Exiles. Hmm. Um, in fact, the first book with my name in it, I believe, is Exiles number 99. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I uh, I remember going on the CBR boards when New Exiles was coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about nitpicking. They were, yeah, they're an interesting place. They're a very interesting place. Uh, uh, you can't go, what is it? I think you, somebody would start a topic and you can't go two posts without it being coming about each other rather than the books, but that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's have fun. It's a community. Um, that's when I, and that's when I developed my love for Sage interacting with, with all the, the fans of Sage mm. who were so passionate. I, I literally have a shirt that a Sage fan, uh, drew and sent in to Marvel, uh, a t-shirt uh, it was when New Exiles ended and uh, X-Men Forever was happening, I, which I worked on in the pre-production of it. I, by the time it actually came out, I was not working on it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a shirt with a beautiful drawing of Sage saying, like, please put Sage in New in uh, uh, X-Men Forever. Um, and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Again, interacting with the fans can be really rewarding and great. So I, I do. I like it a lot. Awesome. Uh, I do, although I will say, that being said, I like to do Twitter questions. Uh, I used to do Tumblr questions. That place got Ooh. real negative. Yeah. And so I stopped doing that. Now I do questions on Twitter again. And I, I do enjoy doing it. Like way too many of the questions are, when are we going to see this character? Mm -hmm. Way too many. 
Like that's the stick. You'll, you'll see. <laughs> that's a spoiler. Well, that's all everybody awesome. really wants. That's all anybody wants. That's all yep. anybody wants. Well, some of us just have some characters we are very into, and we want to see our slug boys come back. That's all. I don't know why you can't just give us that. So you're talking about maggot. I mean, a little I, bit. I have. I I promised. Man, talk about me making promises to the internet. What a, what an idiot. I promised the fandom that I would write a song about an X-Man. And I, I said, just tell me who. And Maggot <laughs> was the far and away the <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I was expecting like Cyclops and being like, all right, I got to write about Cyclops. Okay, fair enough. But it was like, no, Maggot. Um, <laughs> I have written the bulk of the lyrics to the song. Uh, yes. I, I, I haven't started writing the music. I said I would do it by the end of June, which is really soon. Um, fingers crossed I'll make it. But if not, I promise I will finish and premiere the song. I promise I will. Wow. That's amazing. You're very excited about that, sir. <laughs> very so, excited. And I'm not going to be doing it in his dialect or his accent. That's no. fine. Oh, no one can agree on what that is anyway. So <laughs> Even fine. though it is kind of in the first person, I'm just like, it's going to be my voice. Sorry. That's how it is. Awesome. Yeah. So Makes sense. let's uh, let's jump to one of the biggest things to happen recently. Oh. Uh, the last issue of X-Men Gold that has come out as of recording this <laughs> uh, had a bit of a swerve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spoilers for people who don't read the New York Times or aren't on the internet. <laughs> Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you kind of know what's going on, but then skip ahead if you, you got this. Uh, <laughs> so Kitty and Colossus aren't getting married in what? the current second and uh rogue and gambit did how'd that happen so as i alluded to earlier um this these both of those are things that were in place when i got aboard the x-men mm -hmm. uh train so to speak um and yeah the, that you know i think they mentioned in the new york times article but the, the the idea for the twist is something that came up at one of the Marvel writer summits. You know, uh, people were talking about what's going to happen in the books and ideas just started getting thrown around. And when that idea came up, people were just too excited to let it go. It was like, oh, my God, we got to do that. <laughs> um, and I love it. If I can speak as a fan. Now, this is dangerous for me to do. Oh, please keep going. Here we go. Here this we is go. dangerous for me to do because when I speak as a fan, <laughs> when I speak as a fan, X-Men fandom immediately assumes that means the power has gone to my head and I'm going to make every fan impulse yes. come true. Hmm. So, okay. that So like that, so when I say like, I don't think that this character works that way and they're like, oh, he's going to ruin that character forever. Okay. That's not how it works. But I'm going to speak as a fan anyway, because, again, I like to and I am a fan of comics. Um, I am really happy that wedding didn't happen because I am still mad at Colossus for cheating on Kitty in Secret Wars. And I will never forgive him ever. Applauding. <laughs> applauding. And do you want to hear the worst thing? No. OK, so you're applauding me now. Would you like to stop applauding me? Wait until I tell you this weird part. Everybody uh -oh. thinks I'm a crazy person when I say this part. So here's me okay. throwing out all my credibility. I kind of feel like worse than the fact that he cheated on her <laughs> is the fact that he didn't lie about it. 
<laughs> because because if he came back for like again, she didn't speak English. They barely knew each other, and then she was dead forever. So he comes back and he goes, "Hey, it's over between us. I'm in love with this dead woman who I could never even communicate with. You and I are nothing." That is such a slap <laughs> in the face. If he came back and he was like, she was like, what happened? He was like, nothing. Uh, you want to go out tonight? <laughs> At least then I would feel like he cared about her. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but the fact uh, that he came back and was just like, you, hey, what on? You and I are over. It's Zaji forever. Uh, I was like, ugh. The good, the good part of that is he did then get into a bar fight where a bar got dropped on him. <laughs> And yeah. everyone was like yeah. sitting back saying, Well, look, Petey, you kind of did this to yourself here. <laughs> yes. I I just I I so as a result of that, I I don't ever like them together. Even even as much as I love the Joss Whedon run, I was always like, Well, you're getting them back together. <laughs> well, and can I talk about just how I think it plays so brilliantly to the fan base? Uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of controversy right now about uh, fan bases and you know who has control and you know fans asking for things and demanding blah 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 i think that's a bunch of a garbage because ultimately we need to be respectful of the amazing artists and writers that are doing these things but it that doesn't stop when something does happen in a book that i think fans have been really hoping for um that it's still very exciting so i think when Zach and I first started talking about Colossus and Kitty getting back together. We both shared that we had lots of reservations. And I think we've probably seen a lot of people on Twitter, especially sharing their similar reservations to what you're talking about and the history of those two characters and why this wedding felt a little forced, if you will. So the fact that it does culminate in a bait and switch and that the switch is going to be this amazing mini series that we had recently is going to turn into Mr. And Mrs. X. <laughs> it's about the, the smartest switch you could possibly do in this situation. Um, so well done. I'm, I, I'm really happy with it. And again, I, I'm not the, uh, the direct editor of that book. I supervise that book. I read every book and give notes on it, of course, but uh, Darren Shan has been editing that book for a little while now, and he's doing a great job on it. Uh, him and Mark pulled off, an amazing issue. The art by David Marquez is so wow. gorgeous. Wow. Beautiful. So gorgeous. Beautiful. Um, I, was, I, I was so happy. That That is awesome. Uh, we got, I just want to get a couple more questions in before we move into the Twitter questions. So absolutely. Uh, you've obviously been an X reader for a long amount of time. So what is an X-Men story that you think doesn't get the respect it deserves? What's an underrated gem in the X-Men line? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> well, again, I, I I worry about this one. I worry about this one. And the, you know what? I don't know if that I, I don't know if I have a great answer because like, you know, my favorite X-Men ones are ones that it's like, yeah, those are everybody likes those ones. You dumbass. Like, of course, <laughs> Um <sighs> You know, I I really did love the Grant Morrison run, and I was bummed out at how much it was ignored slash 
retconned like immediately afterwards. Um, hmm. But like a lot of people feel that way, unless they are fans of Magneto. <laughs> um, uh, what else? What else? I, I don't think I have a super satisfying answer other than that. I do, you know, still think Excalibur is like the best X comic ever, which is super, super a cheat. Like it's only half an X book, but I love every moment of it. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's not a cheat. Is it? It's a great, great book. I mean, um, like, a lot of people, there's gotta be some gem. Let me think about this. Like it feels like that's getting a critical reevaluation. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so too. I think so too. I think that again, like people who who were read it when they were very young are getting older and remembering it fondly and then looking back and I think it still holds up. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I I feel like it really holds up. Um there's okay, let me let me have a good answer for this though. There's got to be a good answer for this. No, everything I I I I have a hard time thinking <laughs> of one that I'm like people everybody else says that one's bad, but I like it. Like it's like no, everybody says they're good. Like Peter, I love Peter David's X Factor. I've always really enjoyed all of those series, but like, it's not like that has a bad reputation. People love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't have a. Good, I, I here's what I'll say. I think it's an awesome idea to just rip off a Shakespeare story, <laughs> whether or not that turned out great. I still stand by it. And like, if you if you read X Men in a couple of years and there's like all of a sudden Macbeth happens, don't be shocked because I think that's a fun idea. <laughs> That's the most shocking thing that I have heard on this podcast. Spoiler alert. None. Like, okay. You're going to get a lot of people reading into that one. Uh, For the record, I think She Lies with Angels is trash garbage, but that's not the point. Like I said, I don't know if it necessarily turned out great, but I think it's a good idea. All right. uh, the The last thing... Uh, that we've got here for you before we throw it on over to Twitter is for the X line uh, in the, in the short term and in the long term, what are you most excited for? Oh, I mean, I'm most excited for things I cannot tell you about. Yeah, uh, I know we were hoping to catch you <laughs> up here. It didn't work. You were prepared. Um, th- there is, there's something there's 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 huge things that are going to be coming at the end of this year that I am super pumped for. There are huge things coming next year that I'm super pumped for in the more immediate. Uh, I don't think anything like so many things are not announced. This is really difficult. Um, Charles soul is a great writer who I love working with working with him on return of Wolverine is definitely a thrill. Uh, I'm very excited. And Steve McNiven obviously is an amazing artist. Very good. Uh, so exciting so exciting um we've got uh, stuff happening in in october and november and december that is super exciting and gonna be awesome (laughs) guys we may have planned this interview like a month too soon our bad well hold on so um Jordan, do we have uh, any conventions lined up where we're going to be getting like giant reveals at like San Diego Comic Con, New York Comic Con, where some of this stuff's going to be unveiled in a grand manner? I'm sure or... that at least some of these things will be revealed, if not at San Diego, then like right before it. Um, okay. So, because again, there's a lot, there's a lot of plans to announce. So I think, uh, I think it, it's going to be really exciting. 
Awesome. Now we'll uh, throw this over to Twitter questions. We've got a few from a few people who, uh, you know, they just ask questions. Uh, so first comes from Coltrag on Twitter who asks, Jordan, does the D in Jordan D. White stand for D-Man? <laughs> for D-Man? Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> there used to be a, a little... Uh, sign up in the Marvel bullpen that said it was Jordan danger white because uh, the first time I was ever drawn into a comic, uh, I've been drawn into a lot of comics at this point being a, you know, having a, a mildly recognizable mustache and being a, you know, just a chubby dude. People like to draw me into comics. Super fun. But the first time I was ever drawn into a comic was a Marvel cinematic universe tie-in comic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That I wasn't even editing. Nate Cosby was editing. And I think he had me drawn in as like a joke on me, except that I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And <laughs> Nick Fury beat me up. Um, so these so people in the bullpen took a couple panels of me getting my ass kicked by Nick Fury and, and put it up as Jordan Danger White. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, it's not actually danger. And it's it's also not Delano, which is what Jake Thomas always says it is whenever we, we do anything together up here and anywhere together. Uh, from our pal Genetic Ghost on Twitter, uh, what was the discussion about making Shatterstar his own grandpa like? <laughs> well, let's talk about the Daddy Boros here, because I will, I will, I will tell you. I'm going to let you in on some real behind the scenes magic right now. I okayed that yes me personally yes um other people before me had been standing in the way of that peter david wanted to do that for a while and previous editors on x factor i i edited the end of x factor i edited i assisted on a bunch of random parts of it but the last arc of it i edited myself um and then i edited uh the first like bulk of uh, all new x factor mm -hmm. as well but um but other, like like Daniel Ketchum was like, no, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, we're, we're no. And Peter told me, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Let's make this happen. I love it's it. So I love that story. I love it. I love it. I love it. It it um, it speaks to me in a weird way. Like, I have a weird relationship with X Factor in general, but that whole finally wrapping up the entire convoluted messed up shatter starness of it all wow it was perfect i mean honestly there, there's things because what i liked about it too is that it solves things that are like so weird and so out there but like i mean that's one of the things peter is like specializes in is finding like weird continuity things and then kind of stitching them up in an entertaining way the fact that there exist comics where Dazzler's just pregnant and then she just isn't pregnant yeah. and they're like ooh let's not talk about that and it was like oh really I kind of prefer mind wipes <laughs> and time travel uh, as the possibilities for what could happen there yeah. um, so follow up question there was uh, no conversation as part of that to uh, finally explain who Benjamin Russell was <laughs> <laughs> um the I, honestly, I'm a little surprised that Peter didn't try to go for that as well. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there just wasn't room in, in the amount of space that we had. I mean, as it is, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. I, oh, yeah. Did we end it with 
Richter and Shatterstar going to the future to raise Shatterstar or no to like drop Shatterstar off with the people who would raise I be- him? I believe something. I believe something like. to that effect. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's bananas. Oh, you know what? That's actually I. I have a good answer now to the uh, the thing that doesn't get enough enough respect too is all new X Factor. I loved all new X Factor. I thought it was such a fun concept, and I was kind of bummed that it did not uh, didn't really take mm-hmm. off. Hmm. It great art, an interesting team, and it gave Gambit kitty cats. <laughs> Absolutely, it sure awesome. did. Uh, this will be a quick one, uh, but this is coming from at Slick Nick Shady. Who just wants to know, iBoy? Can we can we get a can we get a final a final say on what's going on with him? Well, all Marvel comics count, so he's dead, so he's just dead. like Cyclops is. <laughs> oh, that was the most interesting way you could have answered this. I wasn't expecting that, and I know that means nothing, but you know, conspiracy theory mind running like a thousand miles an hour. I just fell out of my chair. <laughs> awesome. Uh, at Asimov underscore fangirl asks if the sailor scouts abilities, uh, and then she lists, they list some sailor scout abilities that I do not recognize because I do not watch that anime show were caused by the X gene instead of magic, which X team will they join? That is a wonderful question. And uh, I should, I should explain for those who don't know, uh, this is a reference to the fact that I actually do a Sailor Moon podcast. Uh, I have a, we have a, a it, hope, mostly weekly uh, Sailor Moon podcast called Sailor Business, where me and Chris Sims uh, are watching through, rewatching through every episode of Sailor Moon and talking about them. And we literally, it, they're like, you know, half hour show. So like 22 minutes and we talk for over an hour per episode, going through everything that happened with a guest and going super in depth. But the answer for anybody who listens to that show is obvious. The Sailor Scouts, the inner Senshi, Sailor Moon, Sailor Mercury, Sailor Jupiter, Sailor Mars, Sailor Venus, they would obviously be on the X-Men, but the outer Senshi would be on X-Force because they are all willing to kill. All righty then. <laughs> Just accept Look, it. Look, <laughs> man, when, when, when Sims was on the show a couple of weeks ago, I said it and I'll say it now. I have no idea what any of the Sailor Moon stuff is, but I keep hearing about it. It's it's the power of friendship and 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 good feelings to overcome all badness. Hmm. Like my little pony. Yeah. And, uh, honestly, I so I couldn't get into my little pony, but I tried watching one episode because by calling it friendship is magic it made me think of Sailor Moon. And so I watched one episode <laughs> and I was like, oh that's not enough like Sailor Moon for me to care. So I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've got a 2-year-old, so I have an intimate understanding of the My Little Pony cinematic universe. there's a lot going on there some magical girl stuff is definitely involved at certain points but yeah it's a it's a whole thing Uh, i believe it i think we'll get one more twitter question in here and this is one that we got asked in several forms and obviously you can't give any spoilers on stuff but uh emma frost something going on with her i mean just wink just wink oh yeah definitely She's great. Listen, this is this is so I, I alluded earlier to me talking as a fan being dangerous. Uh, this is another one of those ones because I have said that I don't think she works as well as an X Man. I like her better as a 
let's say antagonist because if i say a villain everybody freaks out she's not a villain everything she did was wonderful great but as an antagonist (laughs) to speak in storytelling terms i like her better when she is in in opposition with the x-men that being said i think she's awesome i think she's super great uh there are plans for her uh more than one plan by which i mean she will appear in more than one places place that's exciting for A lot of people. I just started uh, rewatching the Wolverine and the X-Men TV show with my son because I found it all on Blu-ray for $10 at the local Walmart. And Emma Frost is delightful in that. And it's just kind of reignited all of the, oh, yes, I do love her kind of feelings. Yeah, yeah. She's super fun, man. She's super fun. I I just, I, I, I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of when villains... And I'm just, listen, I'm just going to use the word villains because we're talking in broad terms. When villains become good guys, most of the time, not 100% of the time, sometimes it works out amazingly. I prefer Emma Frost as an antagonist. I prefer Magneto as an antagonist. Does that mean they will always be such in my comic books? No, because I don't make comic books alone, first of all, and I also don't make them as a dictator. (laughs) I... I'm a collaborator. I work with writers and, and, uh, and artists and other editors. You know, we all have a discussion. Uh, do I voice my opinion? Sure. But the, if somebody's telling a great story, it doesn't matter if it goes against one of my preferences. What matters most is the good story. Yeah. I... She did kill Firestar's pony. <laughs> she's done I a mean, lot of terrible things. Rest in peace, butter rum. She's, she's you can be evil, she's, you know. <laughs> she's made choices. She's made choices, but I think that's why we all kind of love her. She's a wild card in all yeah. this. Yeah. Uh yeah, absolutely. She's super fun. Awesome. Well, that will uh I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Battle of the Atom. If you liked this show, you can mosey on over to patreon.com slash battle the atom. Uh that you can toss in some money there if you want, or don't. I don't really care. It keeps the Zencaster and hosting all running and all that stuff but you know if if you enjoy it do that if not whatever if you do enjoy it enough to support at the two dollar month level though you can get an entire episode of this podcast crafted around a story suggestion of your choice and we got some interesting ones going uh yeah in the near future that'll be a lot of fun uh if you can't support monetarily that's cool if you want to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or whatever podcast getting thing you've got, that helps out. It would be kind of cool if you guys did some more of that because we haven't got one in like a month or so. Either way, don't let me guilt you into it, even though I am desperately trying to. Uh, beyond that, uh, you can check out everything that happens over on XavierFiles.com. That's where I have a bunch of X-Men news, uh, podcasts, articles different fun stuff like that or you can go to twitter at xavier files and just look at all of my inane ramblings about x-men throughout the week adam where can people find you online guys you can always follow me on twitter at arthur stacy um if anybody's interested in getting a zine of the last issue of bish and jubes um, which is the search for Bish and Jubes. You can get one for just $1. I will print it out and mail it to your house as long as you live within the United States. And if you don't, you can DM me. We'll figure something out. Um, so for just one buck, you can get a copy of the latest issue. Um, and that's at adamrec.bigcartel.com. 
Um, Jordan, where can people find you online? They can follow me on Twitter at crackshot, except instead of an O, it's a zero. Um, because I just have a confusing name. <laughs> uh, it's the crackshot is the name of the superhero I pretended to be when I was a child. Huh. And it has a zero because when I joined AOL, Crackshot without a zero with, a, with an O instead of a zero was already. Oh, I feel it. like most people have a very bad reason why their screen name is what it is if they've had it for more than like eight years. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, and they can also find me on uh, Twitter at Sailor Business, where the, the aforementioned Sailor Moon podcast is located, nice. uh, or at sailorbusiness.com. So uh, Sailor Moon is super fun. Also, just so you know, you don't have to have watched Sailor Moon to listen to it. I actually know people who have never watched Sailor Moon who love the show <laughs> because we recap every single thing that happens in it. So they just experience it through me and Chris. <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. That's absolutely that's but wild. That's great. <laughs> well, this this interview has been great. Jordan, thank you again for coming on. It's been a real treat. I agree. I had a really good time. Thank you for thank having you, me. Jordan. Awesome. Next week, we are going to be coming back with some X-Men stories about teens doing teen stuff. Uh, we got we got some new X-Men for the people of you who are really, really into Academy X, and we got we got some interesting other stuff going on with that. Uh, but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!